Hello everyone, welcome. Today is Monday, January 30th, 2022. I am Sal and this is my charges. Okay, guys, um, let's see. Okay, I'm still a little choppy here, but um, I'm actually going to go on, on mute. So I'm actually just going to be the moderator today. But I want to uh, just introduce, hey, hey Minnesota, welcome. I want to introduce um, Prep and Money. And he is going to give us some financial um, planning um, tips for the recession. And um, I'm going to try again. Uh, we're going to try to keep this <laughs> to an hour, guys. I do try to keep my shows to an hour, so we will um, have some time for question and answer. So until further ado, uh, Prep, thanks for uh, coming today. I uh, appreciate it. And um, I'm going to go on mute, and I yield the floor to you. All right. Thanks, Solid. Uh, hey, guys. Long time, no chat. Um, so getting right into it, uh, financial planning in a recession. Um, on this side, on my side, um, 
a lot of you know, because you've heard me before, I try to find vehicles to put my money in where I am mostly tax-free, um, where I can be completely tax-free and uh, where my money can work for me um, a little bit more. Uh, so what that looks like to me, and this is kind of what I do, especially like during a recession period, there is a lot of people have their own idea on like how they want to about that on how they want to financially plan for their future. Um, but a recession is a great way not only to build wealth because a lot of people, especially low income in the poor category, instead of investing their money, they literally keep it um, or they spend it. We all seen uh, during COVID, middle class, lower class um, income families, they would literally uh, they would literally spend money. Amazon made over $3 trillion during the first year and a half of COVID. And they also this year, because of going into recession and being overvalued, they also lost a trillion dollars this year. But if you take a look at some of more wealthy people and what the rich are doing and what the wealthy are doing, during a recession time, they literally put majority of their money into assets that build them more money. So what that looks like is right now, right now what that looks like is a lot of their investments are indexed. 50% um, of their assets are indexed. Um, the other part is, is that during a recession time, we all know a lot of times uh, housing goes down. The cost of houses goes down because nobody's buying right now. So those prices lower. Um, what they do is, is that they'll purchase homes. Um, if you see uh, BlackRock, you see other companies like Schwab, you see, Charles Schwab, you see other companies like uh, JP Morgan, they're purchasing a lot of real estate right now, tons of it. Um, even Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett's company, like they even started their own realty group. They're buying up houses left and right. They always do during a recession. Why? Because they need to spread their money out. And also they, um, they know that when the market goes back up, which it always does in a four year cycle, if you follow the stock market, um, it will eventually go back up and they'll double or triple their money for one investment. Um, some other areas um, that you can look into are some tax-free havens like I was talking about in the beginning, um, annuities, uh, life insurance, cash value life insurance, um, things that you can actually put a lump sum of money in and let it grow and build interest and you can earn dividends off of those. What makes it valuable is is that you're able to gain the cash value from a life insurance policy and able to use that as investments into different assets and, and other investing platforms. What makes um, a cash value life insurance policy so great is that the fact that you can literally have an investment 
tied into a life insurance policy. So not only do you leave something for your family, but you can use the cash value to invest in other things as well. So will this help us if things really get bad? So this is how, so answering that question right there is that if things really get bad, they're bad. And with, um, along with the kind of prepping community, um, you know, I'm labeled as a prepper and that's fine. I, I take that with a badge of honor uh, because the things I invest in are kind of a little bit different. So I'll break that down to you right now. And none of this is financial advice. So just be advised. This is just how I invest, guys. So how I invest is, is that I invest in a lot of hard assets during a recession. I'll invest in hard gold, silver, um, palladium, things like that. Uh, things that I can tangibly touch in my hand, hold in the safe. Um, not just on the prepping side of it, but just in general, gold and silver is so undervalued. I mean, literally at $30, you know what I'm saying, um, for an ounce of silver, you know what I mean? Like you could literally get a kilo bar of silver for less than $1,000. I think that's not a mistake. And then with them saying that it's overvalued, that the market is extremely undervalued, um, in the next five years, next five to 10 years, I'm literally seeing silver where gold is right now, where it's literally hovering around 18 to 1900 for an ounce of gold. So holding on to that stuff, you literally can build wealth over time. Um, and it's just smart, you know, tangibly, you know, I like to be liquid in a recession as well. So in an emergency situation, I like to keep at least a thousand to two thousand dollars per member of my family because yeah, emergencies happen. But you also have to realize you have to do what is able this I'm talking about maybe overwhelming or you may be like extremely like go over your head, like there's no way. Do what's good for you. Like in during a recession. If your median income is less than $50,000, try to build as much cash as possible or, you know what I mean, trade cash for harder assets like gold and silver um, and just hold on to it. Why? Because any metals trading, they have to give you one to one on, uh, on all gold and silver. Some places don't, the little cheaper places don't, they try to take a you know, certain interest and a percentage out of it. But um, the more legit ones, the bigger ones, um, even some banks still by law, the United States Treasury and banks, they have to take your gold or silver if you bring it into a bank and they have to give you one to one and it's better odds that way. Um, I'm just looking at the comments. Uh, Minnesota says, undervalued meaning it's not worth buying and i'm assuming she's talking about the gold and silver um what i'm talking about when it's undervalued is that the way the stock market works is that it's extreme the price is extremely suppressed like silver's price is so suppressed and it goes in so many different materials where they're even thinking now that copper copper is going to be the same price as where silver is now and if you can think about it, like copper is copper is like cents on the dollar. 
So you could literally get kilos, like literally kilo bricks of copper for like five, ten dollars. And if it's the same price as silver is now, if you build up enough of it or you build up enough storage of it, like you could literally buy copper off of Etsy. Like that's how valuable that's how a large quantity amount it is. Um, and it's just out there. But that's a, like a long term investment. So when I say like extremely undervalued, it means that the price is suppressed. It's going to have more value here in the next five to 10 years, um, because I believe that our market is going to bust um, and we're going to see a recession like we haven't seen in a long time. I mean, we've been in a recession for about a year, guys, even though now they're just saying that we're just now. If you do the math. We've been in a recession here for the, for the better part of a year, and it's going to get worse. It's going to get a lot worse. Um, I know uh, Solid wanted me to talk, talk to you guys about other things that you guys can do. We all, if you grew up in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, there's a term called mattress money. And that's literally all I'm doing right now. All I'm doing is I'm saving uh I literally, I take my cash out of the bank, the extra cash that I do have. I don't have anything. I keep enough in there to pay bills. And I'm literally building uh, money in my safe or my mattress money um, because I want to be as liquid as possible when the stock market hits. Because you got to understand, back in the 1920, 19, uh, at the first, uh, on the Black Tuesday, when um, the stock market's just dropped, uh, you had more suicides overnight. Um, people who had companies, people were 100% vested inside the market. They lost everything. And we're going to see another black swan event like that. Um, and everybody is saying this. Every financial analysis has been saying this for the past six months. It's too, we've, we're oversold on everything. And then you take into part the price of gold and the price of silver being suppressed, that it's undervalued. And with all these other nations, like the BRICS nations, um, the Brazil, Russia, India, China, you know, and uh, Saudi Arabia getting together and literally going back to the gold standard and has literally increased the worth of their dollar tremendously. And like just by going back to the gold standard, the U.S. does not have a plan right now at all for going back to the gold standard. They think because we hold all the oil that eventually or like natural gas is the one of the only natural uh, commodities that we have here in the United States that the rest of the country will do business with us. Well, that's not the case. Uh, China and Russia went to Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia and fought hard to get off the petrodollar, which they have, and they're not accepting any United States currency. They're not accepting any United States currency right now. Every single transaction that the, the United States has with Saudi Arabia right now is with gold. It's not that 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 is that's telling you how much it is. And then there's other insiders that trade on a regular basis that are saying that by the middle of February, the American dollar is going to be worth anything. So if you're in front of your computer right now, what I want you to do is I want you to go to debt clock. 
You put the spelling in the. Uh, I want you to go to the U.S. debt clock right now, um, because I just want to show you. Perhaps you can put the spelling in the comments. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at the comments right now. Okay. So. How should we financially plan for emergencies if you don't have food? Um, I would go ahead and I would just start buying just a little bit, just buying a little bit at a time. Um, the, the website is usdebtclock.org. And this is real time on here. Just start stocking a little bit of food at a time. Um, I'll tell you this right now. Um, the most valuable thing in a grid down or a lockdown situation is not gonna be gold and silver. It's gonna be cans of food, it's gonna be oil, it's gonna be fat, it's going to be, um, nobody's gonna think about money then, they're just gonna think about how to feed their family. Because you gotta think about it, at your local grocery store, most grocery stores only hold three days worth of food. So that's why they get their trucks every two days and they keep a day on the shelves. And if you've ever worked at a grocery store, I did, when we would get our trucks in, when I was younger, when we get the truck in, we'd have a day's food worth on the shelves and there would be almost next to nothing in the back, like only like reserve items. So you got to think about it like this, like if you have not start, started at least saving some canned food, you got to think about this. What did your grandma used to do? You always used to go to your grandma's house or you used to go to somebody who was older and they'd always keep a little bit of extra food in the house for emergencies. Well, there, guys, there's a huge emergency coming up and nobody's talking about it. Literally, nobody's talking about it. Now, for a couple of you that are on the usdebtclock.org website right now, this is real time. This is the United States. Um, this is the United States usdebtclock.org. If you go into the bottom right corner, it says dollar to oil ratio. For the first time ever in history, it says zero dollars to a barrel. If you go down lower, it says dollar to silver ratio now. It is zero per ounce, zero dollars per ounce. If you go down to gold, it says again, zero dollars per ounce of gold. That means the dollar to gold ratio is zero. The dollar to silver ratio is zero. The dollar to oil ratio is zero. That's the first time it's ever happened in human history or in United States history. The first time, and, and, and I'm not lying to you, you can go to US debt clock right now. That is the real time. It gives you everything in real time data as it's, as it's happening, as money is being spent, as money is coming in, as local revenues coming in, as taxes are coming in. This is how much our dollar is worth right now. It's not backed by anything. And that's the scary thing. And still, things are going, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're literally, we're living in a fairy tale land, I think, right now. Because if you go back to 2021, it was $40, you know, per oil ratio per barrel. You know what I'm saying? At times, it was almost 100 or 80 or 60. It fluctuated. The same thing with gold and the same thing to silver. So, so, okay. so prep, let, let me ask this. So, you know, I am on the website now and I am, and I am looking at it. 
said what you just said, um, and this is a concern for me, um, and it may be a concern for other people. How do you see your money in banks? Because I think we are getting close to the point where if you go to withdraw money, they may say they'll put a limit. Well, you can only take out $500. You can only take out this. So they don't have a mess run on banks where everyone's trying to take all their money out at one time. I have a friend that works at Chase Banks here in Dallas, and they've already stopped carrying like a lot of money inside there. I mean, they have literally inside their drawers, they have a couple thousand dollars and that's only for minor, like anything up to a thousand dollars, taking out a thousand to two thousand dollars. Um, but like big money, ten thousand dollars and beyond, like having to take that out. Uh, he said it's it's a couple of days. They have to they have to put in a request for that kind of money. So anything that you are trying to take out over ten thousand dollars worth of money. Um, just know that it's going to take, it's going to take a couple days. It's going to take a couple days to get that out. So if you won the lotto and let's say you wanted to go into the bank and, um, you know, you told them it in advance, you were coming and you wanted to take out a million dollars in, in cash. First of all, I understand that you're saying that you know, they'll probably have to tell, tell you to, to come back why you let them know in advance, but would they even allow you to do that? Because they banks need your money in order to operate. Would they even let you take out that amount of money? See, the reason why a lot of banks aren't taking out any money and they're not letting people know this is that they have to be um, Basel for compliant by the end of this year. It used to be until 2025. But a lot of banks now, Bank of America, Chase, Wells Fargo, they have to be Basel for, uh, Basel for compliant. What that means is, is that their dollar has to actually be backed by something. And so they're pulling out all of their money. And that's why now you see the United States trying to buy more gold than ever. Well, that's a problem when half of the gold reserves in the United States, which we do have here, are owned by China. China owns but, the most okay, gold reserves. Go ahead. Okay, but, but again, am I going to be able to go into the bank and take out a million dollars in cash? It'll probably take you a couple of days. But the thing but, is, though, but, is your million dollars really going to be worth a million dollars? Okay, they cannot not let me take it out. I mean, that's that's they're, my. They're not. They're not going to let you take out. They're not going to let you take out a million dollars. No, they'll they'll give you. They'll they'll say your card is is good. They'll say your debit card is good. They want you to use your debit card because. Why? Because we all know, you know what I mean? Like money is imaginary. You know what I mean? Like the only why the reason why we have value to to the to the dollar, it's a it's a debt note. It's not an actual dollar. You know what I mean? Like it just go ahead. Again, I'm just trying trying to be clear here. So you're saying again, I cannot go into the bank and take out a million dollars in cash. That's my money. It doesn't matter what it's worth or whatever, it's mine. That day, no, ma'am. No. I'm not saying that day. I'm saying within a week, whatever. It'll probably, they they'll tell you, they'll tell you, you know what I mean? He said anything greater than $10,000 is going to take a couple of days. So, okay, well, but I will be able to get that money out. I will be able to get it. Yes. Okay. All right. And then, like, that's, that's the thing. Like, you know, the bigger, like there's a main bank for Wells Fargo, like in, in most cities, or there's a main bank, you know what I'm saying? There's a main bigger bank. 
um, they call it a, a distribution center or a distribution bank where most of the money goes before it goes out into the, like the the reserve, like the Texas has a federal reserve here or they have a, um, they have a place where all the cash and where all the money goes um, from all the banks. And so it'll literally take a couple of days. You would have to sign, um, you'd have to sign that money out. And the weird thing is now they're asking for a reason. What's the reason for the, you taking this money out? Not that it's any of their, you know what I'm saying, excuse my language, but it's not as any of their fucking business. But like you literally have to fill out a bank form and stating the reason on why you're taking out this much cash. Let me answer right, some of these right questions. Here, I want to take out the cash just because I want it. And, you know, I mean, who's to say? Exactly. I'm not you know what I mean? Um, I mean, and so I mean, like, it's not your business. Exactly. It's, it's, it's not, it's not the bank's, it's not the bank's business at all. But then again, if you look in the fine print and a lot of people don't do this. And if you look in the fine print of the bank, they don't have to have a reason to keep your money. And here's another, here's another one for you. And then you guys can go do your own due diligence and research. But the FDIC, the insurance for all the banks, they know that they're over leveraged. All the banks are over leveraged in derivatives. If you look up JP Morgan, if you look up the derivatives market and all the banks that are over leveraged, JP Morgan is almost number one on that list. They're like $68 trillion over leveraged in derivatives right now. That's people's retirements, that's people's pensions. Yes, they're actually taking your retirement, your 401ks, your pensions, your IRAs, and they're literally trading them in the market in real time. Now, if you look at this, crypto fiasco that happened with FTX, this exchange, they found $80 trillion in derivatives trading on in the, in the background on FTX. That means they were actually trading your, uh, they were actually trading your retirement, your pensions, your 401ks, your Roth IRAs, that the companies that you work for, they were trading them openly on the market, trying to make a profit off of it. And the banks do the same thing. And you give them permission when you sign that contract, when you go into the bank, that they're able to, they give you like 1% or 2% back, but they're getting anywhere between 50 and 60% profit off of your account. You see none of that, but you give them permission to trade that openly online. And so like, that's the reason why it takes... A couple days. Have you ever tried to log into your account and it says it's down for maintenance? That's literally what they're doing. We'll be back in 24 hours. For 24 hours, you can't see your bank account or for the next six hours, you can't see the bank account because one trade takes a half a nanosecond for big traders. All they have to do is find out how much the money, uh, how much money the bank has. The bank puts in the number. Okay. This is literally how they derivative trade. They make in the number and how much that they have. The bank sends the wire transfer with all the all the money. They keep note of how much is inside your account. Okay, so when they're down, that money is then traded openly on the market within a few hours and then sent back to the bank. And then the bank has a set profit 
they send the rest of the money back into your account. And so the next morning when you wake up or then six hours later, when you um, when you log back into your account and then your accounts back there, all your money's there. They're able to do that. It's inside your guys's contract if you read it. I'm just listening to you because um, I don't know. I, I had a situation a couple of years ago where a customer um, uh, paid me for uh, a a product, and it was a it, it was a good you know sum of money. I'm not going to say which 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 bank it was or how much money it was, but um, it, it was it was a a significant sum of money. And the bank, you know, I don't know. They claimed you know, that they had to uh, research, you know, where the money was coming from. But I had had deposits from this um, one customer pretty much on, you know, I mean, I, I, I always got them. And they held on to my money for over a month before they re released it and didn't give me a reason or anything. One day I just looked at my account and, and, and it was there. So I don't know if they were doing some hanky-panky, but I have found out that this, you know, bank, um, uh, has had issues with uh, business customers and with some um, regular uh, personal uh, accounts with, you know, doing things with their money. And, you know, they have some, some lawsuits, you know. So, you know, it's like, seriously? Yeah. I mean, it's uh, as, as shitty as it sounds, solid is literally what they're doing. They're literally trading everybody's money, open source trading. And when FTX happened, you have so many banks now that are like double leveraged, double over leveraged derivatives on people's retirement. That's why so many people, if you look from the time of COVID till now, the derivatives market and people's pensions, people's livelihood, all right? You have people in their 50s and 60s about to retire that have to work another 10 years because they don't have enough money in their retirement now. The 401k is so outdated. It's so outdated. It's not a good way to make money. And then your pension plan, look up your company's pension plan. It says in the fine print in most companies, most Fortune 500 companies, they can pull your pension at any time if they go under. And it is getting closer, guys. All right. If you don't see the writing on the wall in this recession, they've been lying to you for a better part of two years. We've been in a recession for the past year. They're lying to you. Okay. This is one of the worst recessions in, in human history that is that is about to go on. We're literally going to see a black swan event. And I'm not out here to fear monger, guys. If you literally follow me on TikTok at Prep and Money, like I try to keep it light. I try to keep it extremely positive. But there's light at the end of the tunnel. Gold, silver, palladium, copper will never lose its value. It is a hard asset. And that's why I tell everybody who is um, actively, who is from a lower class, if you have any cash in your savings and you're trying to make it out, take a take, take $1,000, go down to a metals, uh, a metals distributor, buy a... Uh, 2.2 pound brick of, of silver for $1,000. Because literally here in the next five or 10 years, that two pound brick is going to be anywhere between five and $10,000. You just doubled your money. 
no, you almost 10 extra money, five or 10 extra money, excuse me. You know what I mean? Like, and, and this is things that happen. People in the, the first depression, people who had gold or who had life insurance were the next wealthy. Did you know that the Rockefellers uh, invented the irrevocable trust in uh, during, the, uh, during the depression? And then they used leveraged life insurance, cash value life insurance was his whole life at the time. And they put it inside there. So anything that, and, and the thing is guys, when you're, um, when your life insurance policy goes into your trust in your irrevocable trust, even if you die, that, po that, that, uh, that policy, um, the cash value is taken out of it, but you're able to pass that life insurance policy onto an heir or somebody else over the trust, the beneficiary over the trust, and that is allowed to grow. So that's how they made their millions upon billions of dollars. That's how they made it. They made it literally, literally, they made it by passing the beneficiary on and keeping the same policy. Okay, um, I think Mama Bear is here. Mama Bear, did you have a question? Okay, because, okay, go, go, go on, Pratt. So, yes, thank you, Solid. Irrevocable trust refers to any trust where the grantor cannot change or end the trust after its creation. That means, like, everything in the trust, to, to be able to get rid of the trust, everything in the trust liquidated. And that's why so many wealthy people or rich people, they start a trust, they start LLCs, they become a separate entity of the trust. Um, nobody knows who the, uh, the, the, uh, the advisor or the beneficiary of the trust is. And that's why Walmarts can't be sued because if you look up Walmarts, uh, Walmart is a giant trust. The, comp the whole company is a trust and they have LLC upon LLC upon LLC upon LLC upon S Corp. It's all just a round robin of Walmart pays Walmart LLC, pays Walmart LLC, S-Corp South pays, you know what I mean? And so the money goes into a loop. Well, if they go, if Walmart gets audited, let's say they say, or who do you pay? Oh, we pay Walmart LLC. They will go at Walmart LLC, but the money's already back full circle around back into Walmart. Does that make any sense? So there's no money to be tracked. And as long as their paperwork is solid, they can't be audited. So it's literally a never ending loop. And this is what the rich and wealthy do. And but but here's the thing, you don't have to be rich and wealthy to get a trust, an irrevocable trust. You don't have to be rich and wealthy to get a life insurance policy that builds cash value. You don't have to be. I help people every single day find these products. And the and the thing is, though, I'm not out here shilling and selling life insurance guys. Well, I am, but I'm not. But Here's the thing. Life insurance is not the same life insurance today as it was 50 years ago. It's literally more beneficial and it builds wealth faster. What do you I think of uh, savings bonds? I think, honestly, they're going to have to buy them back. But like if you, if you invest in a savings bond, here's my only issue. If you know the dollar is not worth anything, what are you getting back? Because if you're getting a one-to-one -one on gold, 
you're either getting a one-to-one -one on silver, you're either getting one-to-one -one on the petrodollar. Well, if the petrodollar has literally died three months ago on a savings bond, how long do you think you're going to have to, to, to turn that in? At least 10 to 20 years, right? So you're hoping that in at least 10 to 20 years, the United States government and treasury has figured its shit out to be able to bring value to that bond. I mean, we've seen bonds fail in the 80s. People were, we had a major recession in the 80s and people were told to buy bonds. Well, they buy bonds, but they weren't worth anything. And so like bonds, I, I tell people all the time, a lot of financial advisors will say, yes, U.S. bonds, you know what I mean? Buy a savings bond. To me, the bond is only as good as the product is. And if the product ain't good, the U.S. dollar, I can't put my money there. I can't put it like I would rather... I, me personally, would rather put my money into an asset, feeding it into my life insurance policy or into my annuity. An annuity, like annuities have changed here too in the past 20 years. You could put $100,000 into an annuity, you know what I'm saying, for 10 to 20 years and literally have anywhere between two, be, behind what the interest is. The average interest right now in the United States is 5.7, but I'll just use 6%. You can have anywhere between 2.2 to 2.3 million dollars after about 10 to 20 years but nobody ever talks about that like a lot of these vehicles now that they have are faster so are you going to say that the savings bonds that i have are, are not worth anything i think if you have your savings bonds solid like honestly this is this, this is my this is not personal advice like if you have a financial advisor that you trust i would literally go and this is the question I would ask them. How many of these savings bonds do you have? Do you personally have? And if they don't have any, that's your answer right there. Okay. All right. The reason why I'm asking you is because I have savings bonds that um, my parents uh, uh, gave to my sister and I when we were younger uh, uh, and or when we were little. And um, it's, it's a substantial amount. And my parents, um, my mother was, was old school and she... Uh, purchase savings bonds for my son and my niece and and and, and nephew. So um, you know I've had mine for quite a long time, um, and I know that you have to go by the serial number or something to kind of see how much they're they're worth. Right now they're you know in a safe deposit box. Don't pay, pay attention to them, but um, you know so it's just interesting that you see that there's a lot of people even talk about that anymore. Yeah. And like, um, here's the thing, like, I tell people all the time, you know what I mean? Like I invest in what I know and savings bonds, even when you cash them out, you got to pay a tax. Am I correct on that? Yes, you are. Yeah. You have to pay a tax. You have to pay a capital gains tax on it. A lot of the investments that I deal with are completely tax free. When you when you turn, you know, what I'm saying when you turn 65 and a half or you turn 59 and a half, it's completely tax free. Even when you borrow against your life insurance policy, when you borrow against it, it's tax free. You get 100 percent of what you're asking for. You don't have to pay tax on it. 
You do not have to pay tax on anything that you borrow from your life insurance policy. And that's why I tell people, I said, if you're trying to build wealth and you're trying to buy houses and you're trying to buy assets and you're trying to and you're trying to do it legitly, get a life insurance policy that pays you cash value with minimum death benefit. The reason why I say minimum death benefit is, is because they'll know on the high end, they're investing most of your money that you pay every month to the cash value and and a, a major and a minority of it goes to your death benefit. The reason why that is 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 because if it's if there's no death benefit, then it's an investment and they can tax you on it. But as long as you have that, as long as you have that death benefit in that life insurance policy, they can't do anything. The government cannot do anything. That's why they hate it. That's why you don't see them market it everywhere. That's why you don't see insurance companies anymore. I remember when I was a kid, I used to see like Prudential. I used to see Pacific Life commercials all the time. They ended all that in the 80s and 90s. They ended those commercials. Why? Because people started finding out about IULs. They started finding out about whole life insurance. And even right now, there's this huge awakening like on TikTok and like and on YouTube about cash value life insurance and how it can literally make you wealthy over time. And people do not know. And the government won't uh, tell anybody about it. Why? Because it is the perfect, but every U.S. Senator, every U.S. Senator from the president down to the, uh, uh, the House of Representatives, I'm telling you right now, every one of them have cash value life insurance policies and they don't have more than one. The government starts asking questions after 10. You can literally get 10 of these policies and they start asking questions at, at like 10, I think. And all you need to say is just be like, well, I just, you know, I have this amount of, amount of money and I have this at revenue coming in. I have this many kids, you know what I mean? And I want them to have, and you just have to literally answer a questionnaire and send it back. Nobody ever answers questions after that. The only time that they ever ask more questions other than why do you need another life insurance policy is if they think you are, um, if you're committing fraud, then they go into a whole investigation. But that's a different, that's, that's a different, uh, that's, that's a different podcast. But um, yeah, there's no limit to the amount of policies you can have in the United States. There's no limit to how many uh, Roth IRAs you can have. And the difference between an IRA and a Roth IRA is this: an IRA is something that is is something that is uh, taxed at the very end. A Roth IRA, IRA, you pay minimal tax front, so that everything you uh, take out when you want to retire is tax free. And it's thirty five percent now, guys. <coughs> the capital gains tax for four hundred one ks and everything when you want to pull out your retirement is thirty five percent. They're they're literally in office right now trying to limit, trying to see if they can raise it to forty five, take an extra ten percent off the Amer working American. <clears throat> That's almost fifty percent. So if you think about it, the average American, if they have three hundred thousand to a million dollars, all right, I'll just use a million dollars. Let's say you've been working for forty years and you have over a million dollars inside your retirement. You take it out. That'll literally with taxes and everything that'll literally feed you. $33,000 a year for the rest of your life. That's not enough money to retire. That's not enough money. If everything in the, if, if everything housing, if food and everything is going up, we have over, we have super inflation, hyperinflation right now happening. And where the price of eggs, I mean, goodness gracious. I mean, I went to, uh, I went to Sam's club the other day. We all know it. We all love it. Um, 
and a 15 dozen eggs before COVID were $32. Now they're $79. They're $80 for 15 dozen eggs. Okay, um, before, before people start coming up on the panel, I do want you to get more into the um, financial, the, the prepping side. And when you um, did, and she did a, a two episodes, I am my own story. Um, <laughs> you, you said that every household, that if things got bad, where, you know, if we got into not just a recession, but if, you know, if it was an emergency, like uh, earthquake, um, snow, whatever, that you say everyone, every person should have what? Was it a thousand dollars per person in the bank? Yeah. So, all right, getting what into the prep. Yeah, um, getting into getting into the prepping side of finances. Okay, um, I keep um, I keep about a thousand dollars. In silver and thousand dollars in gold and coins, uh, little uh, um, doubloons, um, and you can get them in five, ten, fifteen, or you can get them in five, ten, twenty, hundred dollar increments um, where the coin is worth a hundred. You have like a little tab of uh, gold that that's minted that's worth like twenty bucks. Um, because the reason why I do that is, is because if our cash isn't worth anything, if you need to go to the hospital, you know what I mean? Like there are doctors who are going to take gold and silver as payment. There are hospitals that will take gold and silver as payment. They will. And that's an emergency situation. Like you will be able to barter. Or what if you don't have your gold and silver? What if you're just, you know, somebody that's been struggling pay paycheck to paycheck. You don't have that, that gold and silver. Um, well, solid in that time, I hate to say it, but, um, in that time you got to do what you have to do to live. You have to do what you have to do to live. And like, that's why it's a scary thing. That's why I tell everybody, but you can prep at the dollar store. You know what I mean? Like I go, there's two for ones on rice, you know what I mean? Where you can get two pounds of rice, you know what I'm saying? For, you know, two bucks. A lot of times when they and people know what I'm talking about when you get the two for ones at the dollar store, like they'll have a sale and they'll do a flash sale, like you know what I mean, like one day out of the week. And a lot of people that shop at the dollar store know over here in Texas, you know what I'm saying? By my house, it's on Tuesday. It's on an odd day, and I'll go there and I'll get a store. I get a I'll get a stable milk. You know what I mean? That'll last about two to five years. You know what I mean? And I'll rot rotate that. Um, my kids actually like it because they think it's a little sweeter. And I'll rotate my stock. And literally after I get off this podcast, that's it's time to do it because we do it once every three months. Once every three months, we go inside of our prep closet and we rotate it and we use uh, the stuff that's about to go out and we replace it. But in that time is, in, 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 in a grid down time, in a time of emergency, in a deep recession time, all that matters is getting fed. Still right now, rice is cheap. Beans are cheap. You know what I mean? Like pre-made bread mixes are still cheap. You can still get them, you know what I mean, for a dollar a piece. Jiffy, um, cornbread, you know what I mean? Like you can still get it for under a dollar. Um, you can still get Go ahead. 
I was just going to ask you, can you um, tell them the story of your situation when when Katrina hit yeah. and why you to prep guys? I'm just saying. Yeah. I, so I, I had a chance on I had a chance on Solid's uh, YouTube uh, show to to tell her the reason why I prep. Um, so we were in Louisiana at the time, Hurricane Katrina, um, came by and completely ravaged, uh, and it was a God thing. And I'm just gonna, I don't know if you believe in God or not, believe in the universe or whatever, align. but I sat there in my house. I was a chef at the time at LSU. Um, I sat there in my house and it had been a couple of, it, it had been a couple of days since we ate, um, because we were told not to leave our house. Um, literally sitting in about, you know, four to three feet of water. Uh, yes, even parts of Baton Rouge, the part that we lived in was a flood zone and we were underneath three to four feet of water. Um, that's why when you go to visit Baton Rouge and, and some parts of uh, New Orleans, there, you could literally see the water lines on houses. You can see the water lines on bu buildings and, and stores. Um, it, I had two babies. My youngest hadn't been born yet. Um, I had a two-year-old and a one-year-old. And hearing them cry saying, Daddy, we're hungry, like we didn't have any extra, we didn't have any extra inside of our house. And um, I remember my wife at the time, you know what I mean? Like, we just started praying. And uh, lo and behold, in the back of my car, because you can see the back of, you know what I'm saying, everything. Well, there was a cooler that got stuck. And inside that cooler, I went out there to grab the cooler because I was just like, because it was a little, just the, the brim of the cooler, uh, the lid of the cooler was like, you know what I'm saying, floating above water and it's bobbing up and down. So I was like, okay, like I'm gonna go out there, I'm gonna check this cooler. So I go out there um, and you're stepping in, you know what I'm saying, whatever, you know, like uh, I actually seen people fish from their front porch, you know what I mean? It was, it was crazy time, um, but there was no way to cook anything. And it would have been, it was, this was day three and inside this cooler was literally like a 24 pack of hot dogs, um, some bread and like little odd and end things. And that's all that was in the cooler. And, you know, like if you, you know what I'm saying? Grew up like me, like me and Solid have talked about, you know, food stamps and a lot of stuff and how we used to call them books. Like you can eat hot dogs, uh, out the package. You know what I mean? Like they've been processed that way. Um, and we literally survived the rest of the week, you know, and, and of course I, you know, took the less share because I'm bigger, but like my kids, you know what I mean? Like we ate hot dogs, that 24 pack of hot dogs, we, it, we made it last a week. And, um, it was a, it was a humbling time. And I told myself after seeing my kids cry on how hungry they were, I told myself, I said, I'm never going to let this happen again. I'm never going to let this happen again. I'm never going to be that, you know what I'm saying? And my grandma prepped both of them, my Korean grandma and my American grandma. She's from the South. And they always had 
a lot of food in their house and I, I and it never occurred to me but i was just like oh my god my grandmothers were preppers and i didn't even know it and after that that was the that i started getting into prepping just food like heavily because i never wanted my kids to experience that again i never wanted to experience that again i felt less of a of a man and as a parent because i couldn't provide and seeing, you know what I mean? Some of my neighbors, like they were like literally swimming to try to get to somewhere that had food or had, or that was dry. And, um, luckily we stayed in, you know, a two story house and we, we stayed in the upper part. We all slept together and it was, uh, it was a fluke thing, man. And it was, uh, I still, you know, thank the universe. Thank God every day for that. I really do because it was hard. So prep, can you now tell prep? Well, these told me several stories, and I and I take these to heart. I I take these to heart. You now tell the story about being in Texas and with the outages you all had, and how you all survived that since you were prepared. Yeah, so um, we're prepared here in Texas. Uh, we had just moved into our new house, no water um no <laughs> no electricity you know what i mean like the only thing that worked in our house was gas and i'd have to flick my bick to get the gas to turn on on my stove but that was the only thing that we had running we had no water there was a huge freeze it lasted almost a week and a half and i was literally shoveling snow into buckets to melt them down so we could flush our toilet. Um, I'd have to travel to um, the other part of the city uh, that we lived in, um, in the DFW area to literally get, because the other side, they had clean water and one of her friends lived on the other side of the city. So we would go there, we'd fill up every single cooler. I filled up every single cooler that I have, guys. I have this... I have a 50 gallon um, marine cooler. I had a, and that's a big ass cooler. If you go fishing or you hunt, you know, that's a big cooler. And then I had a bunch of little small coolers. I had five gallon buckets. I loaded my truck up. I'd fill up most everything that I could with water to come back just so we could cook, we could clean, and then we can uh, boil, and then we can flush a toilet. And like, I would not let them use the bathroom upstairs, even though we have two and a half bathrooms. Everybody did their business in the half bath downstairs so we can conserve as much water as possible. And we would do our business in that toilet. We would only flush it when the, honestly, the excrement would go to a certain level and we would flush it one time. So that was a new experience for my girls because now that my girls, they're 13, they're 12, and they're uh, nine. And then also with my fiance and her son, he, he's 11. Like, it was an experience, let me tell you. Like surviving, like, uh, and at that point, you know what I mean? My girls, I tried to enforce it into them, you know what I mean? But like, this is the reason why we do this, da, 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 da. And when they seen this emergency, like it kind of opened their eyes. Like my daughters, they started, they wanted to know how to make fire after that. They wanted to know how to do this. And so all the stuff that dad 
was learning how to do and all the stuff that dad was was doing, they became more interested in it because they lived through it firsthand. So when I say that you guys, you know what I'm saying? Like, because just because you haven't experienced a natural disaster, I've had the chance to experience at least three in my lifetime, doesn't mean it'll never happen. It's always better safe. You better be safe than sorry. Because if you're on the sorry side, you're scrambling. Especially if you have a family, you're scrambling. You're so scrambling trying to trying to make something work. You know what I mean? And like you could be just like me, like um, in the middle of a of a natural disaster on day three with crying babies and you can't feed them, can't do anything. And it's and it's it's heart it's heartbreaking. And the universe chose our family that day. You know what I mean? And so like it, it like I don't. Like when I tell people that they think it's foolish to prep, like explain to me how it's so foolish to prep. Explain to me why is it so absurd to buy an extra bag of rice or buy an extra can of beans every time you go to the store and put one away. You know what I mean? Like you want to be comfortable and safe during that time. You don't want to be scrambling. You you make some uh, very good points, and I've told people that. And every time I go to the store and buy water, because we buy cases of water, I always buy extra cases. And one thing that I want to have if something happens is uh is water. Uh, okay, we're um, almost at the one hour mark. So anybody, if you guys have any questions, want to pop up on the panel, uh, you you can. Uh, not a problem. Ralph on here, uh, the Ralph William. Um, he said, "Prepping money can people with low income able to get financially free?" Absolutely, um, absolutely. Uh, guys, if you reach me, um, I don't care. I don't. I don't care because I know everybody's on here is mature. But my number, and I'm, this recording is going to be recorded later. But my number is nine four zero seven three zero five five zero five. Um, if you text me, you just give me your name, number, and email address, and you want to sit down, I do a free consultation. I walk through your finances with you and I help you as much as possible. And I do it for free. If you go to other financial advisors, they charge anywhere between a hundred and thousand dollars an hour, depending on how much money you have. I do everything for free. I work with the top 12 financial institutions in the United States. I'm licensed in all 50 States. So this is literally what I do. Um, and it's a, and it's, and, and it's, it's just helping people. I help people on a daily basis. That's all I do. Because everybody has a goal, and the thing is, though, everybody has a dream, and we reach it one goal at a time. So, if you need help financially, you want to know where you need to start, go ahead and reach out to me. I'll do a free consultation. Um, and I, even if you don't pick anything, I'll give you your entire game plan on what you need to do for free. And it's up to you to stick to it. Okay. So does anybody have any questions or anything you want to ask Prep? Because I know I was talking, asking Prep questions. <laughs> if anybody else, um, if um, Prep, you want to give any last uh, words at, at, at least? And... Everybody, um, there's two things people hate talking about. And that is uh, 
that is sex and money. I love talking about money. Um, and here's the, and, and here's the deal guys, everybody is worried because we live in a consumer nation. Everything is consume, 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 but there's a guy in your corner, me, and I just want to see you win. I want to see you pay off the credit card. I want to see you get out of, you know what I'm saying? Stalemate with, with your credit. I want to improve your credit. I want to help you improve your finances. I want to get some savings going on. I want you to help develop a game plan for you. So moving forward, you know what to do. And guys, retirement, you know what I mean? You could, you could be thinking out here, I'm low income, I'm poor. He's not going to help me. Da, 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 da. It's bullshit. I help anybody. Everybody has a dream. Everybody has a goal that they want to get to. Everybody who doesn't want to work for the rest of their life, we can get you, even if it's $100 a month or even $20 every two weeks, we can get you into something to help you save. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. You know what I mean? Like I helped a lady last week. All she can afford was $40 a month. But guess what? She's $40 a month. That's the first thing she pays. She pays herself first. That's the first thing that most rich people do and wealthy people do. They pay themselves first. They put their money away that they want to, to use to, to help grow. They do that first. Then they pay their bills. Then they pay everything else. And then they have their play around money. But the very first thing you have to do is pay yourself. And guys, get a flashlight. Everybody have a flashlight in their house, please. Just in terms of being prepared. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I see that because I know I know so many people who don't have flashlights. And, and you know, I, I, I just shake my head like, how do you not at least have one flashlight in your house that it lights if lights go out or some emergency candle something and people don't and then you know, they're like you know bad because they don't <laughs> you know so i don't know okay everyone um prep thank you so much you want to tell about where they can find you and your upcoming podcast yes so um <laughs> i'm gonna have solid on my podcast uh because i know that she has stories <laughs> to tell but um the name of my podcast um i'm gonna start it in march um we're just going over some things real quick and i'm waiting for equipment to come but the name of my podcast is going to be hood parents with suburban kids so i grew up in a low-income area in seattle washington um, where a lot of my friends that we grew up the same, um, like I said, if you grew up in the seventies and eighties, like I did, like, you know, what books are, um, you know, what, uh, the food stamp game is. Um, and, and the thing is though, my kids don't even like know what any of that stuff is. And it's going to be very motivational. Um, what we want it to be is, is that we want to reach out to young men, um, who are teenagers who are in their 20s and 30s. We want to reach out to them and we want to feed life into them. Um, one, as men, I think we need to do better. Two, uh, it's what I wish my dad would have told me. Um, you know, because there's a lot of men that grow up and they don't have fathers. They don't have father figures. You know, I was blessed enough to have a dad 
but he might as well not have been there because he worked like four jobs. Like now, me and my dad are really cool, but like growing up, my dad didn't show up for nothing. My dad never went to a football game, never went to nothing, never told me anything about money, even though like financially he's really smart, but he didn't teach me anything. And so I had to go out and I had to seek advice from other men and they told me what I should do. And I do my due diligence and my research and look everything up. And so this is going to be a podcast more geared toward um, motivating young people and what I wish my dad would have told me. It's open to women as well, um, because there are girls that grow up, you know, what I'm saying without fathers and, you know, they know where to go financially. What moves do I need to make now to make sure that my future is secured? It's all of that is going to be centered around comedy. Um, I like to laugh. I like to tell jokes. Um, my co-host Vic, he likes to do the same thing. Um, and we're going to, uh, we're going to hopefully by the 1st of March, we'll have everything up and running to be able to make that happen. Okay. And then you're also on TikTok, right? Yes. You can reach me at prep and money on TikTok and also prep and money on Instagram. Everyone, this is the show, and I again thank you so much for coming. Um, I hope you guys learned learned a lot. I hope he was able to to help help you guys in something. Um, I do listen to him. He's he's you know help helped me in a lot of the advice that he has given um, in terms of how I do things. Um, but um, other than that, guys, that's that's it. So. Thank you guys for coming, and uh, I hope to see you tomorrow. And I'm just going to go out with the same music that my intro was uh, because I don't have any new music. I didn't have time to download, uh, but I will have some new music tomorrow. But again, Prep, thank you so much. And everyone, I hope to see you tomorrow. Bye. I shall be. <laughs> Crazy, what you said about Christmas was be totally. No, I don't want the problem. I don't want the toys. And she doesn't like the toys. She likes the toys.
that's it. I hope to see you tomorrow. Bye.